Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. First thing a lost person needs to know is that they're corrupt and they're not good. They're a lost sinner. It's a tough pill to swallow, but you've got to be able to, with care and with love and compassion, let them know that none has done good. Let's go over to the New Testament, go to the book of Romans. The 10th verse, Romans chapter 3, as it is written, we see it again. There is none righteous, no, not one. God throws those little reminders in there in case we read there is none righteous. Yeah, but no, not one. <laughs> uh, look at the 23rd verse. You all know this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does it matter what sin the person has done? Not in God's eyes, not when it comes to salvation. We just need to be careful that we don't turn into Roman Catholics in the sense of we got mortal sins and venial sins. And if you don't know what that is, praise the Lord. But it's the real big sins. They'll keep you out of heaven longer. And then the other sins, they'll just they'll get you out of purgatory a lot quicker and all that stuff. Look, there's certainly consequences, greater consequences that you and I will suffer if we do some grave sin. A lot of times we won't escape from this side of eternity. Can't expect to. You can't expect a murderer to just be let out in society. He's going to be locked up. Now, he can trust Christ. But just because he got saved, judges didn't let him out of jail. <laughs> you know, but so that there is that. But in God's eyes, there is none righteous. You can't declare your righteousness by saying, well, God, you see the guy in jail? I didn't do that. So that's why everyone needs to know they're a lost sinner. Romans chapter 5. Bible says uh, in verse number 12, wherefore? As by one man sin entered into the world, that be Adam, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You can trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. You're in that lineage. In Adam, all die. Be made alive in Jesus Christ. So sin has entered into the world, and it's passed upon every single human being, because we are in the first man and woman's bloodline. Romans 5.12 is a great verse to take folks to. Galatians 3. Galatians chapter number 3. Verse number 22. Well, I don't think that I, I am a sinner. And you bring him to Galatians 3.22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. I'm just going to key, on, key in on 
Our final authority is the scripture. You might be a good arguer. You might be a good conveyor of facts, a good debater, if you will. But you can't debate somebody into the kingdom of God. <laughs> you can't fact check them into the kingdom of God. The scripture hath concluded. That is our final authority. And as soon as we move away from God's word as our final authority, well, you can just fill in the blank with whatever you want to have as your final authority. It's just going to fall flat on its face because it just is. So the scripture hath concluded all under sin. Let's go to the book of Philippians. Two more books forward. We'll find the third chapter. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 9. And be found in him. Uh, let, let's back up a verse. I think it'll make a little more sense. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. I love that verse. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. If they count on their own righteousness, they've missed the mark of realizing they're corrupt, unbombable works, none that do it good, none righteous, all of sin, scripture concluded all under sin. So that'll give you a good chunk. That'll be point number one of seven points. And when you're witnessing to somebody, Depending on where the award leads it, you can use one of these verses, all these verses, half of these verses, cross-reference to other verses. But at least you've got something where you can turn to, have an outline, and now, okay, you can let the Lord open it up from there. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. The second thing they're going to need to know is that they will end up in hell because they are a sinner. And the wrath of God is abiding on them. Genesis 2, verse number 17. Uh, verse 16, the Lord commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Well, they walked out of the garden just fine. They didn't physically die. They were separated from God because of sin and entered into the world. It's a perfect example of, well, what's the big deal? It's only a piece of fruit. And people do that with sin. Well, what's the big deal? I mean, I haven't done that type of sin. We see it right in Genesis. What, are you going to take your kid out back and wear him out in, 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 behind the woodshed because he took a piece of fruit that he wasn't supposed to eat before dinner? But God said, hey, don't do that. It's a big deal. Not that they ate the piece of fruit. It was, the big deal was to disobey God. It was God. And 
You mean I'll end up in hell because I do one little sin? Yeah. Yeah. You're surely going to die. Romans 6.23. That's a good thought to plant. Or to talk through with somebody. To recognize that brings them back to the beginning. I think it's a nice tie-in when you go to Romans 6.23. And now you read it piggybacked after Genesis 2. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You're going to die just like everybody else that's died because sin pays out death. And you need eternal life and you can only get it through Jesus Christ. Let's go to James chapter number one. And then Revelation chapter 21. James chapter number one and the 15th verse. Uh, well, let's read verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Thou shalt surely die. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Revelation chapter 21. It is doom and gloom. It is. It is. We don't have much good news yet. When we do off of 623, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But wages of death bringeth forth death, surely dying. That's not good. That's bad stuff. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. I haven't murdered anybody. I'm not a whoremonger. I don't play with sorcery. Have you lied? <laughs> Same list. Same list for all of sin. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You've all heard the saying. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. Or if you're born twice, you'll only die once. Well, what is that? That's your, what's that one death? Well, it's your physical body dying. You'll die once if you're born twice. Because you had a physical, get my words mixed up. Let me slow down. You had a physical birth, your one birth. That doesn't happen again. Then you have a spiritual birth. That's your second birth. And that doesn't happen again. <laughs> you can say once. Okay. Well. Same with death. If you die twice, it means you've only been born once. And when you die twice, it's going to be your physical death. The wages of sin is death. And then you're going to have a spiritual death because you're going to be separated from God forever. You'll end up in hell. There's going to come a point where death and hell, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And that's going to be the final place. And we don't want that for anybody. But point number two, you've got to bring this out. That hell is real. They're on their way to hell. And God's wrath is abiding on them. Let's go over to John chapter three.
John chapter 3, the last verse, 36. You all know this. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. What type of life? Everlasting life. Eternal life. That's the gift of God, eternal life. They won't see that. But the wrath of God abideth on him. It's not like you show up as a gospel witness and all of a sudden you pile on this wrath. Oh, it's there. It's there. You're just pointing it out to them, asking them to consider something that they've not before. John 8. John 8, verse 24. We looked at this before earlier. I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall die in your sin. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sin. These are powerful verses about God's wrath. These are powerful verses that at the very least will keep somebody up an extra four or five minutes at night to really ponder them before they end up going to bed. I mean, when you're witnessing to a lost person, it's not a bad thing to give them a bad night, a bad night's sleep for the next couple of days. <laughs> It's a good thing. You're really giving them some truth to chew on. Third thing they need to know is that there is absolutely no possible way for them to save themselves. There's absolutely no way for them to work out righteousness by their own works. Titus chapter 3 and Galatians 2. Titus 3. And Galatians chapter number two. Titus chapter three, we'll do that first. Galatians chapter two, we'll do second. Titus three, verse number five, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness. Is that, can that be any clearer? Which we have done. And as soon as somebody starts justifying themselves, well, I've done this, I've done that. This is a great verse to go to and ask them to read it. Which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Galatians 2, the Bible says, knowing, let's grab that, the 16th verse, Galatians 2, verse number 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now we're not doing a deep dive on this verse. We're simply pointing out that for some a lost person, when you bring them to this verse, what they need to know is they can't be justified by the works of the law. Absolutely no way. Titus 3, not by works of righteousness. Uh, okay, let's get Ephesians 2 and John chapter number 6. Ephesians 2. And John chapter number 6. 
These are simple, simple verses that anyone can really understand if they have an open heart and mind to receive some truth. For by grace he is saved through faith, but not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last days. You give somebody some scripture. I just can't. I'm just not going to be convinced that the Holy Spirit ain't working. His word's not going to return void. God's word, scripture hath concluded. If we didn't have the Holy Spirit involved in this thing, every single one of us just drop into hell. I mean, God is willing and wanting, and the Holy Spirit is wooing and drawing and guiding. We went through all of that stuff in prior lessons on Sunday night. And Father, which has sent me, draw me. That's what we should be praying silently as we're speaking to lost people. Please, Father, please draw this man. Draw this woman. Galatians 3. Last thought on this one. Galatians chapter 3. For ye are all the children of God. Not by works of righteousness. Not by deeds of the law. But by faith in Christ Jesus. People say, I'm a child of God. How'd you become a child of God? Well, I worked my way. You're not a child of God. You're a child of the devil. You become a child of God by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And not by works, not of yourselves, without the deed of the law. You can't come except the Father draws and by faith. So the third point you see on your notes there is that no way, no works can save. And that must be pointed out to a lost person when witnessing to them. Again, you don't need to give them six or seven verses. We're doing this as a deep Bible study. But you can pick one or two and really pray the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in what verse to go to next. But they do need to know works can't save. The fourth thing I'd like to key in on is, uh, let's get Hebrews chapter 9. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the fourth thing people need to know is, Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no other way. We need to be careful that we are not getting people to add Jesus to their shelf of idols. It's look at your shelf of idols and knock them all down and burn them or bury them. And there's one that goes up there. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. They all got to come down. It's not, well, I like kind of doing my little Buddha thing in my backyard. I got my little, you know, flowers and herbs and all that. Now, Buddha's got to go. And I know before I got saved, I struggled with, yeah, but my religion does do some of these good things. And can I kind of have this and that? And I struggled with that. 
I was under conviction. I guess that's where the struggle came in. But I say that to say it wasn't ready to come down. And I'm sure in your life, you have a personal testimony where, yeah, this Jesus stuff is all good. I'd like to just put them up there and Holy Spirit stopped you and you struggled with, no, I can't just put them up there. And people today are fine with adding Jesus to their bookshelf of idols. And that's not the gospel at all. That would be a heretical gospel. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Hebrews chapter 9 verse number 8 says. Well, it goes to signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. It was a figure. And we know that Jesus Christ is the way. And we see in Hebrews chapter 9, uh, going through this. The way made his way into the holiest. And he is the way, the truth, the life, definite article. John chapter number 10. John 10. He says, I am verse number nine. John 10 verse number nine. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. First Timothy 2 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So you know what we've got? We've got the way. We've got the truth. We've got the life. We've got the door. And we've got the man, Christ Jesus. And none of that is a way, a truth, a life, a door, a man. Well, you've got one, I've got one. No. It's exclusively Christ. Or you've not trusted Christ. <laughs> because the Christ of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ, that the scriptures have concluded, is the only way. Well, that's mean. I'm not being mean. I'm telling you what the Bible says. You want to believe the Bible or do you want to believe the little man talking in your head or the little whoever you say is on your shoulder giving you little whispering words of heresy? Jesus Christ. It's all Christ. All Christ. Acts chapter number four. And Matthew. Well, let's stay in Acts for a minute. Look at these two verses there. Acts chapter number four. Jesus is the only name. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name. None other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, I don't speak Hebrew. You don't speak Hebrew. But there are groups of people that think they're Hebrews. <laughs> if I, I guess if I, 
my tongue was Hebrew, I guess I would say Yeshua. But there are groups of people that think that they are Hebrews trying to convince you to not say the name of Jesus Christ. They hate the name of Jesus. Well, there's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. And they've got a whole doctrine built upon you can't say Jesus. They want to take away his name. They don't want it said. This is why it becomes Mary Xmas. They don't want the name of Christ mentioned. They hate his name. You and I as gospel witnesses must let them know the precious name of Jesus Christ and his precious blood that he shed on Calvary's cross for them. You're not going to get saved in the other name. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care how many trump cards you can play. I don't care how many Hilton properties you can buy and own. I don't care how many Rockefellers is in your family lineage. Your name means nothing in light of the only name of Jesus Christ. It means nothing. And that means our family names as well. I mean, praise God for our culture and our and our and our lineage and all that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just saying there's a name above every name. And Acts chapter 10. The 43rd verse, Acts chapter 10. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Don't forget, it's through his name. We'll get to some other things on that. But just going through some verses. Let's look at one more. Matthew 21. That point to he's the way, the truth, the life. But he's also the only name. Only name. Matthew chapter number one. Yes, this isn't a common verse to go to when witnessing, but you'll see the point I'm trying to draw out here. Matthew chapter one. Now watch this. I know we don't use this a lot when witnessing, but I want you to consider it because it does draw out some things and it may help open up additional verses that are more commonly used but i think this is easy to understand matthew chapter 1 verse 21 and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name jesus for he shall save his people from their sins jesus christ was born for the sole purpose of what saving people from their sins his birth is not connected to him being a king because his first birth or his first coming, I'm sorry, is connected to him coming as a savior. His second coming will be a magnification of him as king. And yes, he is the king of kings. Yes, he is the Lord of lords. But in Matthew verse 21 of the first chapter, 
showing people why Jesus came and his name, Jesus, and his purpose to save people from their sins, I believe can tie in that he is the only way. That was his sole purpose for coming. Let's go over to 1 John. The fifth thing, we got seven of these, the fifth thing that people need to know when you're witnessing to them is they are dirty and they need to be cleaned and redeemed. Cleaned and redeemed. First John chapter number one and the seventh verse. Uh if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And what I want to key in this last part. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. People have such a dirty life. And people have such a dirty past. And you might not think your life is dirty after you talk to somebody that's done some really horrible stuff that you've never done. But if you never talk to anybody else that's done worse stuff than you, it's pretty easy for you to conclude, yeah, I'm pretty dirty before God. And the problem we run into is we compare ourselves among ourselves. Well, I never smoked that drug. Well, I never ran around with that crowd. Well, praise God that you didn't. But the wrath of God still abides on you. And you need to be clean because you're dirty. And it's only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ where you can be cleansed. Romans chapter number three, we need to be cleaned and redeemed. Romans chapter number three, you're captured by sin. The Lord Jesus Christ will repurchase you. And bring you out of that bondage of sin. And that's what redemption is. In Romans chapter number 3. In the 24th verse says. Right after. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Being justified freely. By my works? No. By my deeds of the law? No. By his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You can only find redemption in Christ. You can only be clean through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can only be redeemed by his grace. Hebrews chapter number 10. Cleaned and redeemed. And also sanctified. Hebrews chapter number 10. The only way you could be set apart. We'll see in Hebrews chapter 10. And we can read the first 17 verses and be not a bad idea to do. But for tonight, we're just going to key in on one verse since we have so many of them. Uh, Hebrews 10, 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 
one-time sacrifice for whosoever will. That's it. There's only one way to be clean. There's only one way to be redeemed. There's only one way to be sanctified. And check this out. Last one on the fifth point. All lost people need to know they're dirty and need to be made clean and redeemed. Hebrews chapter 7. You all know this. You've read it many, many times. Bible says in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's the only one that can make intercession. The salvation that we receive is 100% complete salvation. We talked about this this morning. You don't have to add anything to it. You know what happened to the Jewish priests? Well, they died. <laughs> and they weren't there to make any intercession for anybody because they died. And they'll continue to die. Have continued to die. And all priests will die. All people will die. But Jesus Christ. The ever-living intercessor for you and I is that. And he is alive forevermore. Rose from the grave. He stands. Christ's death. The merit of Christ's death stands as an as a, as a, as a intersection for you and I. It's 100% complete. The sixth thing. Go over to John chapter 3. They must believe in, but they must believe on Jesus Christ. The devils believe and tremble. They know more Bible than you and I, probably. They don't believe on him. John chapter 3, verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. You do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him, there it is, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do I believe in Jesus Christ or on Jesus Christ? Yep. <laughs> that be both. <laughs> that be both. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. John 3, 36. Uh, turn all the way, flip a page if you need to, but it's the last verse. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You must believe in and on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stay in John and go to the first chapter. John chapter 1. You all know this, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power 
to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You must believe in and on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Acts 16, 31. What must I do to be saved? Someone says. Verse 31 of Acts chapter 16. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. What does that mean? You get saved and you kind of like just breathe on your household and they get the Holy Ghost? No. It means that if you're saved and the Holy Spirit's indwelt in you, which he will be if you get saved, you'll be baptized the Holy Spirit. Well, you're walking around the Holy Spirit in your house. Guess what you're going to testify of? The Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what is most likely to happen? You'll witness to your wife. You'll witness to your husband. You'll witness to your children. You'll witness to your grandchildren. You'll witness to your neighbors. You'll witness. You see how this thing works? For sake of application, add and thy neighborhood. For sake of application, add and thy town or thy state or thy nation or thy world. See how it works? One person gets saved, they tell another. And that's how that circuit we talked about this morning works with, with the gospel. That thou shalt confess thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, kids, you might have it up here. Us adults might have it up here. But if it doesn't do the old elevator drop down to this part, heart believeth unto righteousness, then all you've got is some intellectual capacity. And a lot of people have a lot of intellectual capacity. Do you have head knowledge or do you have a heart confessing, Lord, I need you to save me from my sin. I know I'm headed to hell and I know my works can't save me. Please, Lord, are you crying out? Are you calling out to the Lord in a true heartfelt confession? Not. You had a hallmark-like experience because someone made you feel real emotional and you repeated some words because you wanted to please others and they made you feel good. When you get saved, you will feel good, right? But what I'm saying is you can't go through sin and wrath and condemnation and you're headed for hell and have that person feel good. What must I do to be saved? There should there should be some wrestling somehow. There should be conviction somehow that says you're, you're it's almost like you're just ashamed of yourself and you want to get under a rock because you're so wicked. You don't want God to see you. Leave on the Lord Jesus Christ. Call out to him. He says, I am come a light in the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. 
and you move like that from darkness into light. Praise his holy name. All right, last one, and then we are done. Number seven. Oh, this is a bad word nowadays. You must repent. Repent. You ever get in your parenting modes where you just, you know, your kids bust and doing this and that. I did this wrong, this, that wrong. You just look at them and just, repent. <laughs> Go repent. You don't feel like getting into it, but you just know, just repent. Because if somebody repents, you know that they're turning. To Acts chapter 20, Romans chapter 2, and 2 Peter chapter 3, and then we will be done. Acts chapter 20, let's look at verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it was toward something else. And you turn toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You went from to your mind and your heart and your being was this way. And you made an about face, put your faith in trust. It's called repentance. You're turning from and turning toward. Romans chapter number two, verse number four. Romans two, verse four. Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. They need to repent toward God, but allow the goodness of God to lead them. That's going to take prayer. That's going to take making sure you've got your heart right before the Lord. And I know that's not easy all the time. We're trapped in this body of flesh. They need to see the goodness of God. And I suggest I. I'd say that your testimony, my testimony. How we treat them. Is going to be just a little glimpse of that goodness of God. If you treat them good. You ever get around people and they can just give you some real hard. It's like they can hit you over the head and you can feel good about it. We get around people like that. We should embrace whatever, however they do that. We got to learn how to do that. But it's a, it's, it's the goodness of God that'll lead them. Last verse, second Peter. Second Peter chapter number three. The Lord, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Now, we're not preaching on this tonight, but uh, speaking about us <laughs> as Christians. They were saying, the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Almost like he's saying, look, I'm long-suffering with you guys. Uh, because you won't get out there and lead, and, lead some, and tell someone about my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't go out there and witness. God says, I'm long-suffering with you. He's long-suffering with us. Now, yes, he's long-suffering to those that are perishing as well. We know that. But he's also long-suffering to us, word. Meaning, well, what are you guys waiting for? <laughs> go out and tell somebody that all should come. To repentance. You see the goodness of God there tied into repentance. 
He's so long-suffering. He wants all people to come to a saving faith and a saving knowledge of who he is. He wants all to repent. And that's the last and final thing that you want a lost person to know is that they need to repent. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.